And so today, uh, on our high from yesterday, uh, we come to the topic of anger and lust today. Who's ready for that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm, I'm, what we have to do before we get in here is just talk about something that is very true about what we're going to say before... It's really easy to kind of hear all this and just walk out of here today and just think, man, I need to do better. And for some of us, that is the appropriate response. Um, but what I want to continually ground all of these series, we're in a series called the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' longest teaching. He, he starts to speak and it goes on for three chapters so we can understand. Uh, so it's his longest teaching in the New Testament that's recorded. It's recorded by Matthew. Uh, and in this teaching, he is talking to his disciples. So he's talking to people that have already decided to follow him. Uh, what the Bible teaches about people that decide to follow Jesus is they have regenerated hearts and minds, and they have new life that is given to them. So if we read this outside of the context of new life from following Jesus, uh, and a regenerated heart and mind, it will seem impossible, it will seem burdensome, and it will seem uh, in, uh, just too tough to bear. But if we read this under the understanding that Jesus is talking to his disciples who are regenerated and later to be empowered, who is what we're living in now by the Holy Spirit, then this is no longer burdensome. This is no longer heavy. This is no longer hard, but it is exciting. It is the new life we get to live. And so let's jump in with that idea. Uh, and last week, we, talk about how, we talked about how to interpret the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. So after Jesus lays this foundation, how do you talk about the law? How, what does that play in today's days? Do we still sacrifice animals? Do we still, we were talking this morning about the weird food laws that they had to keep. They were able to eat something. They weren't able to eat something. So thankfully, Jesus came. He fulfilled the law, and that means different things for us. And this morning, we talked about how we get to enjoy medium rare steaks because of Jesus, which is great. We don't have to eat them well done. It is a beautiful thing to enjoy. And so jumping off from there, we explained the law that Jesus didn't abolish it. He didn't throw it away. He fulfilled it. In his fulfilling, we get to understand what that means as Jesus describes. And he goes over two of the Ten Commandments today. Uh, do not commit murder and do not commit adultery. And so Jesus talks about these two commandments and explains them, and that's where we're going to read. We're going to read from Matthew 5, verses 21 to 30, and you can read on the screens along with us. Starting in verse 21, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gifts at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gifts. 
Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Sobering stuff. So the first thing that we need to realize from this is this. God cares about your heart. That is the most important thing that we have to learn about what he is saying here. He deeply cares about the condition of our heart. Last week, We spoke about this, how the righteousness of the religious rulership back then was only that of an outward appearance. It was only that of something that, you know, it was, as long as I appear good, it doesn't matter what goes on in my heart. And so how that played out in the law is something like this. The Pharisees or the scribes or the religious rulers, they heard this law, do not commit murder. And so they thought, okay, as long as I don't unjustly kill somebody, I'm okay. I can hate them. I can talk about them. I can curse them out. I can have a lifelong grudge towards them. Just don't let me take out my knife and stab them. As long as I don't kill the person, it doesn't matter all the other stuff that goes on in my heart. That is what we call an outward righteousness. So they had misinterpreted the law, but here's the law fulfiller that comes and says, no, you got this all wrong. See, what really matters and the reason why the law came was for the heart, not just for your outward actions. He explains, Jesus, that both of these commandments what they mean, and how they were truly meant to be understood. They didn't just speak about an outward action. They spoke about an inward conviction, and that's the difference. Where do actions come from? We have to kind of understand this. Why is is Jesus pegging the heart? Why is he talking about the, the deeper understandings of what's going on here? And it's because of understanding where actions come from. Where do they start? They don't just happen out of nowhere. You don't just get up and ah, stab somebody. Doesn't happen like that. There is something inwardly that is going on for a while that creates that outward action. They are rooted in our thoughts. They grow in our hearts. They foment. So what Jesus is saying here is sin actually doesn't take place when we act out and do something. Sin, it starts in our heart. 
It's the inward state of us. It's the inward thoughts of what we do, of what we think. It's, it's not enough to just think, oh, I didn't act on this, but what's festering in your mind and in your heart daily, that is sinful before God. And when we start thinking, hey, as long as I don't cross this line, as long as I don't get to this point that was finite in Scripture, as long as I don't get here, then we'll be okay. We're forgetting about the heart. And so first, let's, let's talk about murder. This is the first commandment that Jesus talks about. Do not commit murder. See, on its own, this is, this is not a hard commandment to keep, right? Uh, of course, there are murderers, but for the most part, generally, the population will go throughout their life without ever committing murder. And what's different between uh, do not kill and do not murder is the Bible doesn't say do not kill. It says do not murder because there are justified people that have to die. And so murder is unjustly taking somebody's life. And that is what we are talking about here. But the thing is, at face value, it looks like the bar is set pretty low. If you, just, if you go through life and you never murder somebody, you're good. Most of us here, hopefully, uh, if not, you know, we could pray and go through some counseling and other stuff, talk to me after service. Uh, but most of us, hopefully, are okay with saying, I'll never go through life with murdering somebody. You know, we may think at times, I wish I could murder this person. We'll get to that in a second. But most of us won't act out on it. And so, what are the Pharisees? What is it? it you think, oh, okay, I'm good with God. I, I haven't murdered. I am not, I'm not doing anything to actually unjustly kill this person. But what does Jesus say as the fulfiller of the law, not the abolisher of it? He says this. You have heard it said, if you murder, you are liable to judgment, right? So you're going to get judged if you murder. This is, this is not good. You don't want to be judged. And then he says, but I say to you, if you are angry or hateful towards someone, you are liable to judgment. What's interesting about this is what Jesus does here is he takes the same exact punishment for murder and he applies it to hatefulness towards somebody. That should be scary at this point. Like, Jesus, what are you doing here? And what he's saying is the state of your heart is just as important as your outward actions. Same repercussions, but very different actions, right? We can go through life and, and think, man, this person has wronged me. I hate them. I wish they would die. I want to kill them. I can't take them anymore, right? We've all had these thoughts before. And if you didn't, man, I need the pills that you are taking <laughs> because those are powerful, Right? We've, we've had these feelings, we've had these thoughts, and, and are generally we have decided as a society, as long as we don't act on these, these are okay to 
come with, to have, to fester, to live inside of us. But what Jesus is saying is, guess what? Actually, the thoughts in your heart are just as important as the actions with your hands. Because where does murder come from? It doesn't just happen out of nowhere. It comes from the hateful place in our hearts. See, Jesus is not only concerned with the outward things that we do, the end result, the sin. He's concerned with the root of these things in our heart. Where is that sinfulness coming from? Where are those actions stemming from? Where are they finding place in your mind and in your life and in your heart and your emotions and your thought process? Where is that coming from? And he adds two other things instead of just hate. Contempt and derogatory comments towards people. As you dig into the Greek and realize what he is saying here, that's what the other two things that he talks about. See, what Jesus is doing is he's covering the bases. If you shun people, you are breaking this commandment. If you speak ill about them to them, you are breaking this commandment. If you are bullying them, if you are hateful, if you are mean, spiteful towards them, you are breaking this commandment. You are liable. And what's insane is he then describes how important this is to him. He says, man, if you're about to come into the temple and you're gonna offer a sacrifice and you realize that this is in your heart, that there's somebody that you have beef with, right? This is modern day Justin Ghetto translation. <laughs> he says, leave your sacrifice. Don't, don't come, don't even leave church, run away from church, don't worship, don't sing with us. If you realize that you have issue with somebody and that there has been murder festering in your heart, get out of here. And go talk with them. Become, as we read before, a peacemaker. Make things right with the person as best as you can. You know, you can't control their heart. You can't control their actions. But you can make sure from your place there is forgiveness. From your place you have not wronged somebody. That is fascinating to me. He says, before you even come and worship, before you even come, if you realize that there is something, this is how important it is. Leave the offering. Get out of here. Go to that person. And then when you're done recon reconciling with them, then you can come back and finish your worship. Then you can come back and finish your offering. This is the deep importance that Jesus has with this. He then moves on to adultery. If you're thinking at this point, like, crap, I am more sinful than I thought. Just wait for this one. <laughs> adultery, he says, goes from just the act of sex outside of marriage to the look, 
the desire, the heart. See, he says, lust actually breaks the commandment of do not commit adultery. Lust actually, just as we saw that hate and murder get the same verdict, Jesus is saying lust and adultery here get the same verdict. They take the same place. Jesus says, it's better to go into heaven without an eye than to go to hell whole. Right? Because the eye causes you to sin. It's, it's better to go without your right hand than to go into heaven whole. You know, as I'm reading commentaries, a lot of scholars are confused by that one. Why did Jesus add that in here? I'm just like, well... If you can't get that one, then I don't know if you should be writing this commentary right now. I don't even think a lot of people here got that. I think that was a little too real for everybody. But come on, most of us are adults here. He's saying it is better to enter into heaven maimed than it is to enter into hell whole. And whatever, <laughs> this front row right here is laughing hysterical. <laughs> People have been with us for nine months. If you've been with us for nine months, you think you'd get used to the crazy things I say on Sunday. If you're new here, welcome to Zion. <laughs> keeping it real. Sometimes keeping it real goes wrong. Sometimes it's cool. But I want to make sure we understand what is the weight of what Jesus is saying. What is he talking about? And so before you go home and like get your knife ready or like get the screwdriver to plug out your eye, uh, Jesus does talk a lot in hyperbole and we realize that he's talking about what he's saying is this. This is important enough that there are things in your life that need to be cut out. That even if you love them, they feel like they're a part of you but they cause you to this place of sin then they should not be something that you think twice about to get rid of in your life, right? If it, if it means you need to stop watching certain shows, do it. If you realize every time you watch this type of show that you find your heart consumed with lust, guess what? It's better to enter into heaven maimed than it is to enter into hell whole. If this one show is that show that keeps on bringing you to that place. Is it worth the eternity of your soul? If it means you stop hanging out with that certain person that every time you tell yourself, when we get together, we're not gonna go there, but every time you get together, you go there. Cut it off. It is better to enter into heaven maimed than it is to enter into hell whole. If there's a place that you go to at night and it's like, man, I love going to this spot, but every time you go there, you feel your life and your heart consumed with something. Personally, that's why I could never go clubbing. I always envied people that could go clubbing. 
Because I found myself every time when I was in that place, there was only one thing I wanted to do. Find somebody and take them home. And so what happened? I realized I can't go out like this anymore. I can't be out past a certain time because this is where my heart goes. This is what activates these things in my mind and in my heart. It is better to go to heaven maimed than to go to hell whole. See, lust in our heart will ruin us a long time before adultery does. And the lie that we have given into in our culture is that looking is okay. As long as we keep it in here, it's okay. As long as we text for just a certain amount and don't get to this one line, it's okay. As long as the picture that I get or I send only reveals so much, it's okay. But what does Jesus deal with here? He doesn't deal with that specific action. He deals with what is going on in your heart. Why are you going there? Why do you keep watching that? Why do you talk with this person? Because it feeds something inside of you that is sinful. And there's a caution in this as we read this. We start to think, you know what? All right, Jesus is very specific here. So what are the things that I can do? He doesn't mention this and he doesn't mention that. So that means I can do this and that. But the line is here so I can get right up to that line. And boy, we're going to party on that line. And if you do that, what you are doing is you are doing exactly what the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders did that Jesus is speaking to. They said, oh, you said do not commit adultery, do not murder. That means we can do everything else as long as it falls in line and doesn't cross that. And so if we start thinking to ourselves, where's the line so I can come right up to it, tippy toe, hopefully I don't fall over. Some of you like football players, you just, you're not going over the line. Jesus is saying here, then you have already crossed the line because your heart has come to the wrong place. If your interest is what can and can I do, I need to make sure that I can do this and not that, then you are the same as the Pharisees. Your righteousness is outward and not inward. If you're thinking about the line, there should be a conviction in your heart that says, God, I don't even want to be close to that thing. Scripture says, flee from youthful lust. If you know the line is there, that means you turn the other way and you run. And you don't look back. Because the second you start looking at it and start thinking about how close you can get to, Jesus says, that's where you've lost your heart. See, something that we need to realize in this is God's holiness is greater than we can imagine. And in his holiness, he calls us to be like him. To be conformed to his image, scripture says. And here's the thing. Yes, we have all sinned. Right? If there's one thing that you realize after listening to a message like this is that none of us can escape judgments, that we have all sinned. And we thank God that He realized this, that we were never going to get it right. And so what does he do? 
He says, I am going to reconcile them to me so that it doesn't matter on their deeds if they can come and be in relationship with me. It will matter on the deeds of my son. And he sends Jesus who covers all of our sins. But then we hear that, and I want you to realize that Jesus, again, he's talking to disciples. He's not talking to the unsaved. And so when we talk about salvation, it's not a way to say, oh, we can then push aside everything that Justin said today. See, when we come and become disciples of Jesus, Scripture tells us that he sends his spirit to empower us to fulfill the, and follow the law greater than if we didn't have him. So greater than anyone could in the Old Testament, we can follow today because we are empowered by his spirit. We are new creation, leaving the old behind. We are renewed in our mind and in our hearts. And so the spirit comes to empower us to live holy lives, not as an excuse to cover our guilt. And a lot of times that is what he has become today. We use the message of salvation in order to continue to live these lives guilt and shame-free. When instead, what Jesus says here is, as my follower, you have a new heart and a new mind, and this is the standard you live by. Hey, you may not be perfect, but what identifies a follower of Jesus is conviction and repentance. That when you realize in your heart, I'm murdering this person, I've, I've slandered this guy. I've, I, I've killed this girl over and over again in my head. I've, I've gossiped about this person and I can't stop. What identifies us as Christians and separates us from not having his spirit is whether we're okay with that or not. Is whether at the end of the day when that happens in our lives, we say, well, that's just me being human Oh, we say, God, I know your holiness, and I want to be like you. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be satisfied. And we say, God, forgive me. I have sinned. There's a show that I watch, and I watched it again, knowing what I was going to see, and in my heart, I desired what I saw. Father, forgive me, there's, there's this guy, there's this girl, I, knew, I know I shouldn't have texted them because I, I know what would have happened in my heart when I sparked conversation with them again. Forgive me for that. I don't want to do that anymore. That is the difference between someone who is empowered by the Spirit and someone who has not been regenerated by the newness of life that Jesus offers to all of his followers. Our thoughts after hearing this without Jesus should be depression. It should be, this is something that I will never be. I am doomed. And I pray that if that is you today, that you realize the salvation power that we have in Jesus. That if you realize you can never live up to this standard, 
that you will be judged for more things than you ever thought possibly imaginable, then you would realize that the Son has come to take your place on Judgment Day. And he has lived the perfect life that none of us can live. And he beckons and he calls you today to follow him, to leave your old life behind and start a new one, empowered and enriched by his spirit. Our thoughts, if we do follow Jesus today, should be conviction and excitement. You have made a way for me to be obedient to you. See, if as believers we walk away from here depressed, then we're missing something. As believers, we should walk away encouraged, knowing that if Jesus has set this standard for his, for all of his followers, then he is preparing a way for us to follow it. We should leave here excitement that the, the, the strongholds and the bondage of hate and of lust that have consumed our minds and our hearts have no power in a follower of Christ. That these things that plague us, that we have learned to live with, that we have learned to just make believe do not exist every life. Every part of me is conviction except for that moment during the week I know is going to happen. So instead of depression from this, what there should be is conviction and excitement to say, Holy Spirit, come. This life that you have called us to live, I can't live it on my own. I need you. Thank you for making a way for me to walk away from this lust, to walk away from this anger that I have held so deeply in my heart for so many years against so many people. Father, thank you for making a way. There should be excitement in your Knowing that these things that maybe we talked about today that have plagued you for so many years, that today God is reminding you that you do not have to live out. That He has empowered us this morning by His Holy Spirit and His grace to walk in newness of life. for you.
I choose to be 